0: Hey friends! I'm really excited to bring you this interview with uh, Robert McDonald. He plays with a band called Pennyland. Uh, they got some great music, so we're going to talk about uh, his piping and everything else that he does—singing uh, and fluting and and uh, whistling and banjoing and, and uh, some other stuff too. I'm pretty sure uh, comes up as we're talking, and uh, we're going to talk through one of their uh, one of his band's albums as well. And here's some samples from the track. And uh, this month's Dope Giveaway is going to be a copy of that album. So, I'm just going to, i my got uh, the, the list of uh, Patreon and otherwise supporters here, and I'm just going to see uh, what the Cthulhu Dice Tower uh, dishes out for us here. And that is way too high, so i got a D20 here, but we need to have a, a number under 13 here. Uh, another one too high. Uh, there we go. There we go. Seven. So that's going to be Ted. Ted Garvin, congratulations, and thank you very much for supporting the show. I will reach out to you directly with a copy of this album ASAP, and um, I hope you all enjoy the show. Uh, Robert's a really cool cat and a really pleasant person to talk with. So thanks again. Bye. Bye. Like in work, like when I professionally. Anybody east of the Mississippi, especially you get over on the east coast, is just like really likely to just default call me Jim. I must be more of a thing over there. I don't know. But that's uh, funny. yeah, at this yeah, point I am Jim to most of my co workers and to a lot of my like music associates as well, so it's very okay. comfortable for me either way.
1: Yeah, that's a tricky thing. It's similar my dad is Robert as well, but he mm-hmm. always went by Bob. So I could never I could never you do Bob. You couldn't be Bob. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Is taken so, <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. So Robert is the way to go for yourself, huh?
1: Yeah, it's it's what I well honestly when I was a child it was it was Bobby. You
0: know? Oh, so Bobby. I had Bob and Bobby, and then
1: at some point like in high school I got embarrassed of that name and switched it to Robert, and now I kind of regret it. I'm like, oh, Bobby's kind of a cool name, but it's too hard to switch back.
0: Isn't it? Does it, is it is it just me or does it seem to you like Bobby is the kind of nickname that became really really common? And then maybe because it was so common, maybe there, that's where that sense, like, it maybe almost became a joke name in a way. And so maybe yeah, that's where that that's sense true. of embarrassment came from. But then now, because it became a joke name, it's now really uncommon. So it would be a unique thing to be called Bobby now. Yeah,
1: that's pretty true. I, I think for me, too, I, the, there was the, the girl's name, Bobby, right? So B-O-V-B-I-E, oh, that's B-O-V-B-I-E. Yeah. And oftentimes people would misspell my name with the mm. I-E. And I was like, oh, that was embarrassing. So that yeah. was part of it, too.
0: Speaking, speaking of being as, a, being as a child being embarrassed by girl things, you play flute. <laughs> I, was, yeah. I was just talking to Will Woodson about this, and I was surprised to find out. Like, I was, I, I was just, I'm perfectly happy to admit, like, I'd like to think I'm more evolved now. But when I was a kid, I thought flutes were for girls. You never would have caught yeah. me dead playing the flute. And, yeah, uh, well,
1: there's something to that, right?
0: Was that for you, too? Because, like, I, I, I had a friend who played flute, and I didn't make fun of him for it or anything like that, you know? But I, I did it, like, internally. I was like, what is he thinking? That's a girl yeah. instrument, you know? Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I think I think that there's a, in my mind, I mean, this is totally ridiculous, but... In my, in my mind, there's a difference between the, the silver flute, right? right? So oh, sure, flute yeah. <laughs> And the, the wooden Irish flute. And I, I didn't grow up playing flute or anything like that. I only yeah. took up flute maybe 10 years ago, and it was always the wooden flute. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't associate it that way. And in, in, like, you know, Ireland, where that's such a popular instrument, it's as many men, probably more men than women playing flute. No,
0: no that makes so. sense. That's, that's what Will was telling me, was that historically there was even like, uh, An idea floating around that women didn't have the lung capacity to play flute. It was very much a man's instrument. (laughs) That's ridiculous. That's funny, though. Yeah, it's funny that. how we could have like the opposite biases. So, but but what you're telling me is like I can go ahead and revert to to my uh, misogyny or whatever it was that was affecting me as a child, and just just replace it with more specifically, silver flutes are for girls, wood flutes L- are for boys. <laughs> if, if you
1: want to be a misogynist, yes. You can do that.
0: <laughs> I just want to keep all my options open, so I always have right, okay. a, <laughs> somewhere I can go. <laughs> <laughs> but now, now maybe this shows my my age in well and not that that's a bad thing either but um do you feel like maybe part of your uh preference to not be called bobby as a child did it have, maybe have anything to do with that cartoon bobby's world
1: do you remember that cartoon or is that just me? Yeah, oh i remember oh yeah i love that cartoon actually, yeah i love that because show too. because i shared a name with it ah, fact, yeah. i remember Showing it to my my boys when they were little, and so they loved it too. But yeah, maybe right because it, then it's a popular name and it's a cartoon character. And it's like a little kid. That. So then
0: maybe as you got older, you didn't want to be like a little kid. Yeah.
1: Well, and then there were things like I mean, this is this is just really specific to me. But I had a friend in elementary school that used to turn my name into Barbie, and he called me Barbie. Oh yeah. Bobby. and that was yeah. So things like that, you know. I think it was just a buildup of probably things that influenced the decision.
0: My, my middle name is Marion, and I, so oh, I, I, yeah. I had a lot of those. You know, once friends found out, oh, what, I was so mad. My sister to get like to get at me, my sister would tell my new friends what my middle name was. You know, oh,
1: yeah, that's that's cruel.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't. It wasn't until I was a grown up that I realized that was Howie Mandel voicing Bobby in Bobby. Oh World. yeah, I know. That's
1: so great. He's so funny. <laughs> that's
0: funny. Um, Yeah, so Flutes or or Bobby's World, which one shall we, uh, which which trail are we following in this conversation? Sorry, I'm uh, (laughs) not. Either one. (laughs) I'm all over the place, man. Um, So maybe we, uh, oh, I was thinking maybe, uh, so usually with an episode I open with like drones, but I thought, heck, let's open with track one of the the most recent Pennyland album um, that Scott's on the Rocks track.
1: Yeah. Sure. Then we we'll get
0: to hear you playing some pipes. So, you know, imagine we've come out of that uh, a couple of minutes ago and so we've just heard okay. you playing those were border pipes, right?
1: Um on that track, I can't remember now, I, because that album had a, had highland pipes on some tracks and border oh, pipes. Oh, maybe on they were. Yeah, I think those I think those May have been borders.
0: Oh, I just said yeah, Highlands. I, mean, I think that I think that so. I've got some friends who are going to get mad at us if we say Highlands and borders. We have to oh, say okay. Great Highland Pipes and Border Pipes. <laughs> oh,
1: wow. Well, we say big pipes, that's what I like. Big there you pipes go. Big pipes, little pipes, pipes. Little, pipes. <laughs> little pipes. Yeah, that's the way <laughs> I got that from Barry Shears. That's what he used to say. He he'd always calls Highland Pipes big pipes. The big pipes. Yeah, that's, that's a, perfect. Yeah
0: yeah speaking of yeah, Barry Shears, um, do you know the guy because you 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 do some you do Cape Breton stuff? Have you met him? yeah,
1: well, i I know him um I probably I don't know how well he remembers me. There was a time when I was in pretty regular contact with him, so i um I was introduced to Cape Breton piping through Larry Erdman, who I know you know. oh, yeah, him, so I know he, Larry for sure, yeah, he, yeah, yeah, Larry's great, so he he was my introduction into that world, oh, and then cool. he knew he knew well, he worked originally with Hamish Moore mm-hmm. and got introduced and turned on to Cape Breton music through Hamish Moore. And then kind of through that, ended up finding his way to Barry Shears. And so he knew Barry Shears. And there was uh, a couple of years in a row where he brought him out to his home here in Utah and workshops with mm. a small group of people. So I met Barry um, in those workshops. And then um, uh, so I did a I did a master's degree in folklore and my master's Dude, thesis. Was that the coolest thing in the world to study? It was pretty cool. It, it was different than what I thought I was getting into, actually, which, oh, uh, which really? was fine. I, yeah, I mean, I went in there totally with the idea, like, oh, I'm going I'm to study music, and I'm going to study folk music. And I did sort of do that. Um, but in retrospect, ethnomusicology may have been a better fit for what I was oh, looking for. Yeah, because they, And then folklore is an interesting field. I think they often say about folklorists that they spend as much time trying to define what folklore is yeah as they do actually studying it yeah. <laughs> so it's a tricky thing to explain and you kind of get like you can get a feeling for what it is um, but then trying to explain it to other people can be can be tough Dude, so, I,
0: I I'm an armchair folklore enthusiast so like in no way oh, am I like, cool. qualified or anything but like I've often dreamed that like if I ever do make a stab at higher education that that's that's like top of my list is is something to do with folklore uh, yeah. which maybe I would be disappointed. I don't know. Did, did you ever like, no, probably not. Cause I like the stories and stuff, you know, like the, yeah. like, like Tolkien had this essay that I reference all the time called mythopoeia. It was kind of a, a, a response to C.S. Lewis kind of dismissing the value of myth and legend. And Tolkien was kind of being like, no, no, it's actually maybe the most valuable thing in the world. And that's the kind of thing that gets me like, yes, this is the righteous truth. <laughs> you know, like yeah, myth right. and legend
1: is very important. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I mean, and that's where that's where the field really started with Mm. um, myth, legend, and fairy tale. Like then the collecting of those stories and the sort of how how it kind of became a a field that was a cross between anthropology and um, the study of English literature. Really, so oftentimes, you know, that's like the perfect setup if you're going to go into folklore is to have both. I had a I had a bachelor's in English literature and I had a minor in anthropology, which set set me up well to go into but how, much, but how
0: much was music a, a motivator to go that direction too? Well,
1: honestly, Cape Breton music was a big motivator. Oh, that was, I see. That yeah. was always my intention. So I, yeah, so I, I met Larry and I started playing at his sessions, and learning a lot about Cape Breton piping. And then was I that down Barry in Shears? That was down in in um, Oh Springville, yeah. Springville, yeah, yeah. Springville, sorry. Yeah, in Springville, and then I met Barry Shears around the time, like around the time I started my my master's program. Mm. Um, and so then I decided that I wanted to make that the focus of my thesis. And so I was able to get a grant to travel to Cape Breton for a few weeks. Oh. And I spent time, a little time with Barry Shears. He was very kind. He hosted me in his home um, in Nova Scotia. That's too common. And then I traveled to the island and
2: the intended island, to actually...
1: Prince, Prince the Edward's Island? island. Is Cape, Cape Breton Island. Oh, that, of course. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> here I am.
0: Here I am thinking of Anne of Green Gables, and <laughs> well,
1: they're 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 close in proximity. And I, we're I talking assume... about Cape Breton. <laughs> my so bad. You can easily think they're the same place, but no, no, they're two different islands. They're both. Yeah, speaking a... of
0: myth and legend, they're both mythical to me. I've never been there. They're they're the places of legend for sure. For in my mind, oh so.
1: <laughs> yeah, and they won't. At least I've never been to Prince Edward Island, but Cape Breton Island does not disappoint. It's oh, pretty yeah. spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. So I, yes, I went there and, and actually intending to, to um look at capra and piping specifically, um, but for a whole bunch of reasons, while I was out there I switched my focus and actually um looked at um fiddle tune composition. Actually. Oh interesting. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so did, there's a did,
0: did you run into any troubles with the grant when you came back? You're like, I actually changed my mind while I was in the
1: field. No, <laughs> luckily cool I, not really. They it was. I was able to justify it. Yeah I, yeah, I mean, the the people that approved my grant were my advisor and one of the other faculty members that I knew pretty well. So they were they were very understanding.
0: Maybe, maybe um, they were even relieved, like, "Oh, fiddles a lot more normal <laughs> than piping." Good, good, good.
1: <laughs> I think I actually no, actually I think that my my advisor was a little disappointed because oh, yeah. she was. She was very interested in piping. Her partner uh, was a North, um, uh, Northumbrian piper, and uh, so yeah, yeah did, I think she was you, a Did you just almost
0: call them Northumbrians? See, we would have been I, in trouble. I, <laughs> we would have been in trouble. <laughs> I stumbled
1: <laughs> over that. I Was thinking, like, Northumberland pipes? Northumbrian pipes? Northumbrian, <laughs> yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah.
0: I think I see Northumberland pipes thrown around sometimes, but I feel like is Northumbrian right is more 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 typical.
3: But. Okay, well, that's good to know.
0: That. Not that know. I'm an authority, of course.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Armchair everything yeah. over here, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, so there's a there's an old um, an old fiddler in Cape Breton um, by the name of John McDougal, and he I I had encountered his playing on, on a series of um, recordings that was put out. I think it was the North American Heritage series, and they go through um, the old the old Cape Breton fiddlers. So not the more kind of younger tradition the hipper tradition but the really old stuff that's mm. scratchy and yeah. fiery and i don't know so i, I encountered his playing and i've never heard anything like it i mean it was it was so like rough but earthy and like mm. almost tribal in the sound like i can't i can't really put words to it and I, so I was blown away by it so he was always kind of like wow that's amazing if i get the chance to meet him while i'm in Cape and i should do it well um, but I... the other thing about
0: yeah go ahead don't don't let me don't let me force you into weighing in on something if you don't feel you know comfortable with weighing in on anything but am i am i thinking wrong i'm thinking I'm thinking maybe I even heard Barry shears himself talk about part of the uniqueness of the Cape breton old fiddle style being that inter that the meeting meeting of the waters if yeah pipe tune humor the the meeting of um like uh european fiddles uh meeting the the native first nations people there. And so when you say tribal, I wonder, like, maybe there's something very, very precisely tribal about it. I, I don't know. This is me, again, armchair, everything, you know. But <laughs> well, are, are you familiar with
1: not, that, or is that, is that a thing yeah, that people talk about? Yeah, that's not what I, just to clarify, that's not what I meant by tribal. I guess I, that's maybe not a good word to use to describe it. It's hard to find the right words. But mm-hmm. but I do know what you're talking about, because I, from my experience, there are kind of two schools of thought about mm-hmm. Cape and fiddling. One school of thought says, actually, this is the closest we can get to Um, like 17th century scottish fiddling it's much closer to what that is than modern scottish fiddling which was influenced by europe um Mm. and all and the dance traditions there um so that's one school of thought and then the idea is that cape Breton was so isolated for so long there wasn't even um, a causeway you had to travel there by boat Mm. that they really maintained this tradition Uh, it becomes like a like a time capsule yeah, exactly. And then mm. the other school of thought is that act is kind of what you're describing, where the Scottish fiddling meets, um, like French fiddling, French Canadian fiddling meets, mm. um, native music of some kind. And then you end up with something that's kind of new and different. Mm. And I don't know that I have, I can see both points. And I'm not sure, enough sure. of an expert to say, like, this is what it is. I honestly I don't know that anyone's enough of an expert to really know. It. I think it's all, conjecture. It it does seem like
0: with, with most, with most things, if you think you've got a hard and fast answer, it's because you haven't looked at it hard and long enough. (laughs) If you look long enough, it's going to be pretty muddy. (laughs) Who knows? That's what I
1: think too. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, I, you so anyway, you are you're oh, really sure. good at staying you're really good at keeping track of what you were talking about before I inter- interrupt you. <laughs> so, I appreciate that skill you're already showing like you're really good at that. So carry on. Sorry about that.
1: Okay. Well, I was just going to I was just going to say so John McDougal again, he um so I encountered his music like I described and thought I'll keep an eye out for him. And he happened to be performing at a uh, one evening at a distillery while I was out in Cape Breton and I went to hear him live. Mm. And same thing, I mean his performance it, He's not one of the hotshot Cape Breton fiddlers. And there's a lo- there were a lot of those when I was there that, that attracted large crowds of people, tourists and locals. Mm. And so he was just performing like in the background at a little restaurant in a distillery there. But That's wild. I, I, yeah, exactly. But I mean, that there's so many Cape Breton fiddlers out there. Huh. I mean, they're like a dime a dozen out there. So <laughs> that was the gig he had that night. And I went and heard him and then went up to him afterwards and am like, can I, can I come and talk to you? I want, I want to interview you. I want to. Find out more about specifically his, his tune composing. So I had mm-hmm. read an article about him before I had traveled out that he, um, had composed. So, okay, let me backtrack a little bit. There was a famous composer in Cape Breton music known as Dan R. MacDonald, and he is suspected to have composed around 2,000, um, tunes, fiddle Sheesh. tunes. Which is a lot. Yeah. You know, and, uh, um, you know, he's, he is probably the most influential and tune composer and then i read in this article that john mcdougall was claiming to have composed over 20, 000 Holy 000 and like that's so that's astonishing but then but then he um what's even more interesting is he makes the claim that the tunes that he is composing i'm putting air quotes around that you can't see me but that's what i'm doing that he's com- that he's not actually composing them that he's being gifted them from the spirits of the dead caper and fiddlers that came before him. That is so, cool. That's real cool. Yeah. So there's this, there's this supernatural element in his composing. So yeah. so that I was that stuck with me too, and I thought I gotta I gotta find out more about this guy. So so I rolled up to his little um, trailer in the morning, and I could hear him fiddling as I was walking up to his door. And when I entered, he showed me he was in the middle of composing um, a tune right there on the spot. And he has so many tunes that he. um, he doesn't have names for them, like he's just has numbered them, he doesn't know what names to give them, so he's like, "Here, why don't you put your name on this tune? we'll call that <laughs> tune after you so somewhere in his his troves of fiddle tunes that he's that he's handwritten, there's a tune with with my name on it, man, I don't know what happened to it, but... speaking
0: of folklore, I mean this sounds like the, I don't know, the archetypical like wizard ca- wizard hermit character, right? That's just like... Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and you'd think, I mean, <laughs> it's it's also almost magical that like you just find him fiddling in the corner at this distillery one night. And then of course, even at the appointment like to his little, I'm imagining like beautiful little cottage with fairy lights floating all around it. As you're walking up, of course he's fiddling because one, <laughs> one assumes that this guy probably doesn't even sleep. He probably doesn't even eat. He just, he he gets all of the energy that he needs to stay alive, precisely from the fairy magic that is coursing <laughs> exactly. through his fiddle bow, right?
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think you you romanticized it even further than I have. Just I mean it Cape brands beautiful, but they, you know, there's a lot of poverty there. So it wasn't a, mm-hmm. wasn't like a beautiful homely cottage. It was more like a a bit of a rough trailer situation, yeah, yeah. but but you know But filled
0: to to bursting with with just sheets and sheets of music, I guess. Yeah, books and books
1: of of, of tunes that you've composed.
0: I've I've been kind of idly Googling around while you've been talking, just trying to keep track of some of the stuff you're saying, and I came across your dissertation. Oh, really? Yeah, well, so <laughs> I will put a link to your dissertation in the show notes for anybody who wants to um, check it out. Just just while you've been describing it, I've been almost following along a couple of the ideas. I just happened upon a couple of them with my eyeballs as as you were talking, and this is exciting wow. stuff. I'm seeing a few tunes that, that I even
1: recognize, too. A long time, maybe a decade since I've looked at that. Okay. <laughs> hey, if you want to
0: find <laughs> it, I'll have it in the show notes. So can, All right. Maybe you, we'll you can go, go back, back and look and, at it. And,
1: yeah, that's right. not have to cringe too much. <laughs>
0: Ain't that always the way, right? There's, but I, I bet, I bet this will be one of those situations where you'll go back, and there will be some things that you'd forgotten that you cringe at. But I bet there will be some things you'd forgotten that were actually really insightful and good, and you'll remind your and you'll go, wait, who wrote this? I wrote this. Oh, good job. (laughs) Well, I hope so. That's very generous of you to say. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure that'll be the case. That's super cool, man. So, so then maybe actually let's put if if you're cool with it, let's pull in another track from that. uh, how do you pronounce that track name? Is it pain?
1: Uh, so yeah, that is the that is the um, or the, the album name, I mean, yeah. I mean, but it's also Scottish Gaelic for penland. Oh, that's so perfect! That's, Double perfect! Yeah. Well, um,
0: track five is called Fairy Love Song. So since we're talking fairies anyway, what do you say we we maybe listen to a sample of Fairy Love Song?
1: Why sure, sounds great. Why
4: or the curvy
0: long enough that um that i can't even remember the name but um i i don't i've been playing that tune since i like first started playing pipes like i think i learned, i think i learned that tune the first year that i was learning to play pipes and so it's been forever and yet i don't think i would have realized that this melody line is is the same melody line though i I've, i'm starting to suspect that i'm like particularly bad at noticing concordances between different versions <laughs> of tunes like i have friends who post things on facebook and stuff and They're like 10 bucks to whoever can tell me the name of this pipe tune but they're playing it on fiddle or something like that i'm like i, I have no idea and then as wow. soon as they say it, i'm like oh i've known that song for 20 years why did i not <laughs> recognize yeah. it right but uh, I, right. I don't this is a super cool rendition like i've never heard it other than on pipe so this was super fun for me
1: oh well thanks and yeah i mean it could be that just you know that when you take something to the pipe band tradition and it gets sort of I don't know what the word is, militarized. For sure. It often totally, changes yeah. the expression of the, you know, the, older, the older source tune. Yeah,
0: if nothing else, right on the face of it, of course, I always played it a lot faster than, than it's done, yeah. done here.
3: Right. Um, yeah. But also,
0: I've never heard the lyrics, you know, and, and you know, co- the word bracken isn't a word that comes up in my, you know, daily uh, conversations often anyway, you know, so that whether it's pulling <laughs> bracken or cutting bracken, uh, that connection's going to happen once I hear that word, of course, you know. But, uh, of course, yeah. What what was it what instrumentation were you were you contributing to the, to
1: this track? Do you, do you yeah, remember? Yeah, so um I do. For that track, I think it was um I can't remember it was pipes for sure. So I think mm-hmm. there's some drones in the beginning and the pipes end. Right. and those I think were the big pipes. And then I'm trying to remember if I added some flute to that. I don't I was thinking there was some flute or whistle album. somewhere in there. Yeah, if there's flute or whistle that's me. I did all the yeah. fluting and the whistling for the album, so I think Mm. I think I did add some flute to that, Mm. to the end part of that tune where we kind of break out into the jig version
0: of the tune. And had that come, I I want to know about your piping background and did that inform, like, did you, did you play in a pipe band before and pick up cutting bracket and then bringing that to the band or was that a coincidence, but maybe just back up way before I even asked that question and tell me about how you first got into pipes.
1: Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a long, that's a long answer. Let's okay, go, man. Story. Let's, okay, this right. show is called droning on and we're going to prove it today. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, you know, most people don't want to listen to the whole story of how you came into bagpiping. You, so you you are talking a... <laughs> to the the niche community who does want to listen. <laughs> well, that's, that's really a, a pleasure to have someone who wants to listen. Um, golly. So my last name is McDonald's. So oh, I course, have yeah. Scottish ancestry. And when I was, um, when I was a young child, my dad was always really kind of proud of our Scottish heritage and that was mm. really emphasized with me and, and I just kind of I think by osmosis took that pride on like yeah I'm Scottish I have Scottish ancestry and my dad used to take us to the parades in the in this time of year in July mm-hmm. um, but only to see the pipe bands and that was that was the highlight of the parade that's really all he went for I had a very um, similar
0: I father I can relate yeah. big time
1: Oh, I think yeah, it's probably a pretty common story. And so I was like, same way, really moved by the pipe bands and the parades. And then I remember he took us to um, the the Utah Scottish Festival a few times. Mm-hmm. I remember we went while well, it was at uh, Camp Camp Williams. Is that right? Yeah, up that's up, right. Up, yeah. University of Utah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was there for a while, and then it moved to uh, Murray Park for Murray, a while, that's right. so
0: then Thanksgiving Point for so, a while, and now it's Nathan, up at the Fairgrounds. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yep. So we we went to those when I was a kid growing up, and I loved that. Um, so that was all sort of in the background. What um, What town were you growing up in when you were a kid? I was in South Jordan. In South West Jordan. Jordan when I was really little, and in South Jordan when I was a little bit older, in that I, area.
0: Like Salt Lake Scots would have been the closest band, I'm guessing, yeah? Yeah, so, and or maybe it's Utah very pipe
1: possible that Utah Pipe, and I, I know I saw for sure. and yeah. uh, I probably saw the Salt Lake Scots, but honestly, I don't. I was pretty little. I oh don't yeah, don't Tall, yeah. very well. It's all bagpipes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And they, of course, the Salt Lake Scots changed their um, their kilts. Their plaid. They did. That's they used right. To have yeah. the, the red Scott plaid, and then they have the more modern Salt Lake Scots plaid. So no,
0: no offense to their old ones, it's it's fine. But I love their new one, and I love that it's the the story behind it is that like one of their own came up with it and stuff like that. It's pretty. Yeah.
1: Cool. That's yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Kate McMaster. Um, yeah yeah pattern so pretty cool and how's that Um, for a
0: cool surname wouldn't you i mean mcdonald's cool but wouldn't you like to be mcmaster
1: (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i mean that pride in my scottish heritage is still pretty strong with me. i I love my last name so i know it's i know it can be a, a cliche or it can be associated with the fast food chain, but I still love it.
0: No, look, man, I've um, I have I've fantasized of changing my name just to add a Mick or Mac to the beginning and just leave the rest <laughs> the same, you know, or an O yeah. apostrophe. I could go Irish either way. I'd be, be cool. Yeah,
1: yeah. there's nothing nothing more Scottish than putting a Mac in front of your name. That's right. <laughs> well, carry on. Um, yeah, so and then my, my dad always said, this is probably a common story too, that he was going to learn to play the pipes. And one year for Christmas, I remember my mom gave him, a Blackwood practice chant, or a really nice one. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay, I'm going to learn to play the pipes, and then just year after year passed, and he never did. And at some point, I don't remember exactly what happened when I was a teenager. I, I must have expressed either I expressed some like level of interest in the pipes, or maybe I didn't. And my mom just thought, hey, he might want to learn instead mm. of my, you know, my dad. And so one year for Christmas, I got a really, you know, crummy wooden practice <laughs> chanter with a plastic mouthpiece oh and i know came line, like a, yeah yeah a cassette tape with some recordings about how to play and a little instructional booklet yeah, and, if
0: you're lucky but, the tone holes actually go
1: all the way to the board but they don't always uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, and so that was like high school and i i dinked around with it and i, I think i learned the scale but i actually learned it kind of wrong mm. um but that was that was really that was really all that happened with it. And around that time, when I was, I think I was 15 years old, um, I, I got really into wanting to play the guitar. And so I started learning to play guitar. Um, I played in a really terrible, terrible punk rock band when I was a teenager. But um, but look,
0: man, like a garage teenager punk rock band, to, <laughs> say it's re- to say it's really, really terrible is to say it's really good. That's exactly what it's supposed to is be. Is that what it is? Absolutely, oh man.
1: That's I the have, authenticity I have coming through. Of that that I will never share with anybody. Get it's, it on the internet. Bad. Come on, it's never, 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 never. Um, but it was a, it was a good experience. Right? It was a good musical experience for me, and a good experience for my you know the first time of of playing with other musicians, which is a whole skill unto itself. Yeah, uh, yeah, very different from playing by your yourself.
0: There there is something so special about the punk tradition that came <laughs> out of Scotland specifically in like the late seventies to, to like the mid eighties or so. Did, do you feel like that... Were you drawn to that in particular? Maybe that had something to do with Scottishness? Or was it
1: just like, punk is cool, I'm going to do whatever kind of punk is around? It was more of the latter. Sure, I, honestly, sure. the The punk choice wasn't even really mine. I, I was interested in a lot of different music, mm-hmm. um, more alternative rock, honestly, than punk. But oh, my yeah, yeah. my friend, who was the drummer, was more interested in, in punk. And so he had kind of brought that influence to the group. But, That's cool. Like I said, I mean, to even call it anything is is... Doing it more justice than it deserves. <laughs> was this one
0: of those situations where, like, you showed up to the first band practice and and were like, maybe by next time I'll know some chords, but let's go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Pretty much, we were all learning together, so it was like it was really my neighborhood group of friends, and we all picked up different instruments and just started learning how to play together. So, I mean, in, in the beginning, it works. was sometimes it it, well, it did in the end. I mean, we were all yeah. we were able to actually play songs. By well, it's great to have other people to disbanded. feed off of too, to all be learning together. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And to be all kind of the same level, so you're yeah, not just yeah. this really inexperienced musician trying to fit in with more experienced musicians. I,
0: I've heard, I don't know if it's true, but I've heard that this is how UB40, the the British reggae band, got together. It was like oh, a group of friends, and maybe this isn't true, right? But this is what I've heard. It was like a group of friends, none of whom were particularly musical, and they were all just like, guys, we're going to start a band. Everybody pick an instrument, and they all just like basically went into a, a basement and came out 90 days later as UB40. <laughs>
1: wow. How cool. That's a great story. Whether it's true or not, I, I want to believe Let's that. Let's not look it up, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyhow, I, I, so around that time, so that was my teenage years. I um, was picking up guitar and then um, around, I think I was a senior or maybe a junior in high school, a friend of mine, and this is, it's going to come out of left field, but it'll all kind of come together. Hopefully a friend of mine introduced me for the first time to the band Jethro Toll, um, oh. which, yeah, it was the first of like, what is this? Sure. Just, I was always yeah. kind of interested in classic rock, but this was just something totally different. But he was the, the biggest Toll fan I have ever met, for sure. Maybe that's possible. I mean, his room <laughs> was plastered in Toll art and Toll posters, and really? yeah, so, so I couldn't help but being, like, sucked into that world. And so through him, I got really into Jethro Tola for maybe, I don't know, a couple of years. That was one of my go-to bands I listened to more than any other. Um, and of course, you know, everyone knows that the signature sound of Jethro Tola oh, is of course Anderson's flute. So Head, so that, yeah. wow, the flute is really cool. And then and, there's a, and that's your track. manly
0: flute too, man. That's,
1: yeah, that's your that's your silver flute played by <laughs> <laughs> I don't Maybe he's not, I don't know, so there might be some... Um, some differing opinions about how manly Ian Anderson is. But, but yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, it's that's definitely a rock tradition. Entering into the uh <laughs>
0: the uh very limited worldview of my own childhood, right? Like just the association with like this cool band. That's how oh okay, that's how you make yeah. the flute legit. That's where a dude could play flute, right? This is my teenager in me speaking.
1: <laughs> yeah. And maybe and maybe there was a time when tights and Cod pieces were the most manly apparently <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm not sure. Fair Um, enough. (laughs) But there's, there's a track that they did on their album song from the woods that, um, it's called The Whistler and he actually plays a little generation tin whistle on it. So I was really into Toll. I saw that and I loved that track. I thought, okay, I'm going to learn to play the tin whistle. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, there's a lot of converging influences. And at the same time, um, one of my favorite movies was Waking Ned Divine. Oh, which has such a big, good movie! Such a good movie It has an amazing soundtrack, and of course, the whistle playing in it is wonderful. I remember yeah. there's this one scene where there, it's like the uh, the funeral procession, and it, the the procession is being led by the sound of a it's a whistle. So there was that in the back of my mind too. Mm. Um, and and actually, I'm just realizing another influence. And I was a big I was a big growing up, and there's um, anyone that's really into. Star Trek The Next Generation, you'll know that there's an episode where Jean-Luc Picard picks up a tin whistle and learns to play it. Yeah, that's so, one, so of, that the, was one of the, the, the most two. beautiful
0: episodes. It's the one where he gets yeah. to live an entire life in a simulation of a
1: dead planet, right? Of a dead civilization. That's, one. Yeah. Yeah. that's a good one. Apparently, though, that whistle actually was not functional. <laughs> it doesn't oh. actually play. Oh. Um, it was auctioned for a ton of money, but it doesn't actually work. Yeah, that's
0: that's super funny. And I think, OK, again, this is a story. Maybe we shouldn't look it up because it's delightful to think about. I think if I remember right, I've heard somebody talking about how Patrick Stewart wasn't comfortable, like pretending to be musical. Like he, he knew he couldn't do it in a convincing way. And so they actually had somebody else who had an idea how to play f- whistles, reach their hands around in the frame where he's playing it at the end where he picks up the whistle. Oh and is, like remembering, And it's somebody <laughs> else's hands on that whistle. But wow. I think I think I heard that. I don't know.
1: That's an amazing story. I hope that one's true too.
0: Also, the next generation, my favorite Star Trek, and it was there something subconscious about the word generation and how generation whistles are a big deal too. Was that maybe? Mm, yeah, I don't know. Around?
1: <laughs> that's. A, I think that's a really interesting observation. I don't mm. know. Um, yeah. So, anyways, all those things kind of came together. I thought, okay, I'm going to learn to play the tin whistle, and so I bought one and tried to begin teaching myself how to play. And you know, on, on, for the basics, it's really intuitive. But sure. I wanted to play. I wanted to play the Irish style. I wanted to play like it sounded on *Waking the Divine*. And so mm-hmm. I pretty quickly realized that I needed some help. Mm-hmm. And so I just started um, looking for teachers. And I stumbled upon um, Dennis McMaster, who nice. of course, if you probably know, of the, the McMaster's. Yeah, the old pipe major of the Salt Lake Scots, um, pipe major emeritus. And so he he um, played whistle. He taught whistle lessons. He taught, of course, Highland bagpipe lessons, and he. I'm um, also um, taught alien pipe lessons, but I went to him and just started taking whistle lessons from um, Dennis McMaster. Mm. So I did that for maybe well, I don't know, a couple of years. Was and that then, was um, that
0: when he had that uh, Celtic Center in
1: in Salt Lake? Yeah, ah, it's yeah. Actually, cool, the, I started I started the one in Midvale, so it was uh. a really cool little spot in that downtown Midvale area. Um, and then they moved to to uh the the location just off of the i-80 in in salt lake city but funny funnily i I was i was his student during this move and somehow i never got the memo that they were moving locations and so one day i went i just showed up like came for my lesson at the old shop and it was gone it was like an episode of the twilight Zone. i'm like what (laughs) has happened Has this whole thing been like just a complete fantasy did it never exist like oh well wow. <laughs> and so That's and when so you open up your
0: your your bag where you had your whistle and there's no whistle there it's like what what's and been going dream. on
1: <laughs> it's all been a dream like like captain picard yeah yeah <laughs> um but yeah then a few weeks later Dennis called me up and said hey you've been oh, missing me. you missing where you been i'm like where have i been where have you been where have you Where's been yeah the shop is is gone but, yeah so anyway that that was the, the Celtic center um and then after a couple of years of taking tin whistle lessons from him, I wanted to actually, I wanted to learn the alien pipes. Oh, uh, my no interest really it. was yeah. primary. Yeah. I was really into in, in Irish music in Irish trad. And so he's like, okay, I'll teach you alien pipes, but we're going to have to get you a practice chanter." which, you know, come to find out now, I didn't know back then, but nobody learns to play the alien pipes on a practice. Chatter. You I, learn on a practice set. I'll, I'll do so, respect to the guy.
0: I have heard, I have heard like little rumors here and there that he was, push him pretty hard to sell people those illin practice chanters for a while oh, there in, that a lot of people weren't super into them, but he kind of felt like they should become a thing
3: yeah
1: yeah and that's what he that was what happened with me and and so like okay and he said well I, i'm there's an order in for these practice chanters and it's going to be in in a couple of weeks and when it comes in i'll start showing the illin pipes it's so, like every week i would go for my whistle lesson like okay have they arrived no not yet a couple more weeks and this went mm-hmm. on I, I don't remember how long it feels like it went on for months it probably didn't go on that long and finally he just said like hey you know i you want to learn to play the highland pipes i said well i have a practice chanter for the, the highland pipes mm-hmm. he Said, yeah you should you should learn to play highland pipes you can join the band we go to scotland every year which also turned out not to really be true i think that's what they wanted to do but <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> they never they never went to scotland while i was a member of the band but mm-hmm. that's you know that's that was the line so i'm like oh sh- yeah okay it, while we're waiting for the alien pipe channer in
0: I'll the meantime
3: laying, yeah yeah
1: exactly i'll start scottish pipes so we started that and um i took to it pretty quickly i mean the whistle even though it's really different really helped i think um, Dude, I, I wish pipes.
0: for a lot of reasons, but partly because it might help us to like get more kids into piping a little more easily. I wish we had what my impression is that Ireland has this where like instead of you learning ukulele and recorders at schools, like kids are just learning penny whistle. And, yeah, like they're so cheap. Like it just feels like it could be a great win win for the piping community and for the school districts to just turn everything into penny whistles. Let's just do <laughs> penny whistles
1: across the board. Well, I totally agree. And that is my understanding of how it works in Ireland, mm. but I, I, I've never been there. So I don't know for sure. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, that's kind of a, the way I got into it. And then, um, didn't take long about, I think, you know, the, the Salt Lake Scots seemed like they were always looking, maybe all pipe bands, always looking for more members, more pipers to come and join the band. So it didn't take yeah. long <laughs> before I had my uniform and my pipes and I was showing up at, The grade five band practice, having no idea what I was doing, and having to learn how to march in time to the pipes, and even like having to learn how to strike up properly with the drums and that whole thing. Yeah. And at that point, it was there was there was a grade, see, a grade five band and a grade four. That makes sense. Yeah, a grade four band, and the grade five band was not even. It was called the JT Dunny Pipe Band, and actually Larry Erdman was the pipe major for that group. I had no
0: idea that they had a different name for it. That's, that's yeah
1: it was really part of the all like scott i don't i don't i'm not clear on why they had a different name for it but they did the the more that i the more that
0: i like talk to people here locally you know and like get these little bits and pieces about about like our local pipe band history the more i just think i want somebody's got to pull together some kind of anthology of like where it started and, and which turns it took you know to get to where it is today
1: yeah, that would be cool. Little details maybe you. like that.
0: Maybe I'm the one. <laughs> <laughs> the lights. Oh, there's a light shining down. There's a wind blowing through my hair. All of I hear. I hear music
1: on the wind. <laughs> <laughs> You're being called. Yeah, <laughs> that would be cool. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so that's how it kind of happened, and then I moved. I stayed with the grade five band for I don't know, maybe six months or so, and then moved my way up into the grade four. And at that point, Dennis was still pipe um, major of mm-hmm. the grade four band. And then I stayed with the Scots. Oh my gosh, it was a number of years. Uh, long enough that I was there when Dennis stepped down and Jason Kilpat came oh, yeah. um, up as pipe major. And I played with the grade three. The Scots had a grade three band for a while. I mm-hmm. went to Canada a couple of times with a grade three band. Um, but yeah, but just like a lot of pipers do, I think I just kind of, my, my love and my passion sort of, sort of still back with the uh, the more folk tradition and Mm -hmm. the whistle and the ilion pipes and so i i I enjoy being with the band a lot and i still enjoy listening to pipe bands but um yeah i just kind of grew tired of the the competition element and the way that so much of the focus at least to the salt lake scots and maybe it's different with other bands but so much of the focus was playing the same tunes you know, sure, yeah. day out, day yeah. in and day out, every practice, trying to prepare for competition. It's like, oh god, I'm really sick of these tunes. i really enjoy playing something different. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So,
0: yeah, that is yeah. that is a constant struggle. I think, especially for especially for like what you might call like community bands where like you know the numbers are you're at the mercy of convincing people to join you know it's like yeah you end up with this this mixed bag of people with a lot of experience and not very much experience with a lot of enthusiasm maybe not as much enthusiasm a lot of time on their hands no time on their hands and some people you know it's like then you're trying to like keep everybody happy enough that they'll stay in the band it's like yeah not you assign too much music and people are like i quit this is too much
2: <laughs> yeah you
0: don't assign yep. enough you're like i quit this is too boring <laughs> <laughs> it's that's a hard thing that speaks really true yeah. to my my
3: experience
0: yeah but, Wait, well yeah. then how i mean how long were, were you then like focused on highland piping and it was like years before have you got you i'm trying to think now have i seen you playing illim pipes i can't i can't remember
1: enough
3: I have. no i never
1: i've never picked up the illim pipes i i think a a weakness I have as a musician is that I have too many interests and I Mm. often like (laughs) I get to a certain point on an instrument which is not mastery but but capable and then I start looking for something else (laughs) and I've just discovered over the years that like I have got to stop and focus in on the things that I really want to get good at Uh, so like for a while I was playing fiddle and I got okay on fiddle but like okay I have to give that up because it's getting in the way of the other things you know so I'm just yeah, listening so to you say that ramparts. as I look around
0: at all the shelves and stacks and wall mounts and oh, more stacks and drawers full of various instruments, which I have not mastered. I'm talking to you from a microphone that's mounted to the side of a pipe organ or an electric organ because I can't fit a desk in here anymore because of all the instruments that I haven't mastered that
1: I just keep acquiring. <laughs> Your music room sounds like it's very similar to mine. (laughs) uh,
0: Yep, I'm really, I'm really vibing with you, man.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, I never did the alien pipes, um, kind of regretfully, but at the same time, um, you know, I found my way to other instruments that I really love. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the flute being one of them, like that was not my original intention, but but I loved the whistle. Yeah. And you know, it's just a small leap from whistle to flute. It is a leap because of the embouchure, but it's not a huge leap.
0: That's what. That, that embouchure is what – I have been very afraid of the flute, like even when I started to get over the idea that um, I could play flute too, uh, <laughs> right? Even though I, what, have short hair? Like what was, I, <laughs> what was that idea anyway, right? Yeah. But, um, uh, I, I, and actually, I recently ordered just like a simple cheap one, one of those um, – oh, all of a sudden the name has left me. He, he makes a lot uh... – Dixon? Yeah, it's a Dixon, one of those that you can pop the head off to have a whistle head yeah. or a flute
1: mm-hmm. head. Yeah, Tony Dixon.
0: That's right. So I've got one on order right now. It's on its way, and um, oh, I'm cool. very excited about it. But I've I I've avoided flute for a lot of years because I've been intimidated by even just the idea of figuring out how to get embouch- that embouchure to function. Yeah. But yeah. now that I've I'm like thinking more like no, maybe I can figure it out <laughs> again. Realizing I never master anything, right? But just for fun, <laughs> right? Um, I'm listening so much more closely to flute than I ever did before, and mm. this this like this like uh, this rhythmic thing. That yeah. comes out of folk flute. I've never appreciated before. And actually, this yeah. might be a great spot to pull another track from the album. Uh, track seven is called "Sweet Molly." Sure, yeah. And I, if I if I'm hearing it right, you've got some pipes, but then at some point you put them down and pick up a flute. Yeah, um, that's
1: correct. And the second tune there goes into a flute. Yeah. A flute.
0: uncomfortable that like like i'm i'm saying this which is going to make people like pay extra close attention to your flute playing when i play the sample (laughs) of it you know but like i'm getting that magic here when i listen to you playing on here that that like rhythmic push you know that that comes out it's that's such a cool sound um i don't know what to ask you other than just like it's cool right
1: (laughs) well it's yeah and it's it's great that you're hearing that 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 is why the flute in my in my opinion is a superior instrument to any tin whistle. Now I love I love the high pitched tin whistles, and I think you can do all sorts of amazing things with them. But for a while, like before before I made the leap to flute, I was doing a lot of low whistle playing. Even yeah, with the band, yeah. I was doing a lot of low whistle, and um, it, it, but you can't get that with a low whistle. You you can get like just a pale imitation of it. Yeah. But the yeah the, the the drive the rhythmic drive you can get with the flute. You just can't find with the whistle. And so that's that was the thing finally that that kind of convinced me that I had to Mm. go through the pain and difficulty of learning how to master the embouchure. So did you, did you feel driven
0: when you first started playing flute? Did you feel driven to do that thing where you turn your head to the side and like rest your whole chin on your shoulder? Oh yeah.
1: You mean like where you, where you rest, yeah. So you're resting. Or like the you flute. bring your shoulder to, like you're like just, you're
0: just like taking the, the end of the flute and your whole head and like resting it all on like, yeah, your you're left. resting the flute on your
1: shoulder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, I, 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 experimented with that. Yeah. Um, for a time because, well, because I came to the flute with a piper's grip, right? Yeah, totally. Because I'm a yeah. piper. So the, that's wonderful in many ways. It's a lot easier to cover the holes of the flute with a piper's grip. But the difficulty is then, um, you're, you're having to support the weight of the flute with your thumbs. And oh, just your thumbs. Yeah. And I start to get, even still, and I've been playing a lot of years now, but even still, I start to get cramps in my hands mm. when I play the flute too long because I'm supporting it with the thumbs. And if you use the the classical approach, you're supporting it more with, in a different way where you um, aren't just holding it up with your thumbs. You're actually kind of using the hand and then the wrist and then the arm to support the flute more. That is really so, interesting. So, so it makes sense. If you're using the Piper's Grip, it makes a lot of sense to turn the flute over and to rest it on your your shoulder yeah, um, because then you've got another point of stability for the flute. So for some there are great flute players that do that. I mean, mm-hmm. um, Connell Ograda does that and he's one of the best flute players in the world. For me, I started to get neck pain when I when I did that. So yeah. I just had to, I had to stop. And then for a while I was trying to relearn my grip. I was trying to learn the classical flute grip, mm-hmm. but I've just spent so many years on whistle and then low whistle and flute doing it, the Piper's grip that it's just a huge hurdle that I don't, I just don't know that I'm going to jump it. This, this is
0: this is one of those places where like, I just like comfort myself by telling myself that a weakness is actually less superpower. Cause like, <laughs> like, I have a brother-in-law who's a pretty darn good flute or excuse me, whistle player. And he started on high whistles and he's working his way down to low whistles now. And he's finding it really difficult to either get the spread or learn Piper's grip. Right. And and yeah. like, I'm always telling my Piper friends, like all Pipers should also be whistlers. Everybody get a whistle. And it's like, you want to be cool, get like a low A or even right down to a low D. It'll be kind of unique. And you've got this superpower of the Piper's grip. You've already got it, you know, and everybody will be yeah. jealous of your Piper's grip. But, you know, <laughs> uh, of course, of course, there's a reason why these other grips exist. It's because they're advantageous yeah. in other situations, you know, so... <laughs>
1: Yeah, and, well, and there's a reason why so many pipers gravitate towards the low whistle, particularly, mm. particularly Scottish pipers. I mean, in Scotland, I think the low whistle is way more popular than the flute. There are Scottish flute players, of course, but oh
0: not yeah, there like are
1: whistle players.
0: We watch any of our any of our Highland piping heroes, right? Any album that they put out, whether it's Fred Morrison or or, or Ross Ainsley or any of these big guys who are who are our, our piping heroes, when they bust out a whistle. I mean, like, it, or, or rather, maybe what I'm trying to say really is like, it's almost a guarantee that at some point to break up the set, they're going to bust out a low D whistle. That's just going to yep. happen. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So that, so that, you know, makes sense, and that is a superpower. I think when you come from Highland piping to the low whistle, but then yeah, it does pose these other challenges with the flute, which can be frustrating. Mm-hmm.
0: So then, what? Like, you still, you still do pick up whistles, though. Like, um, I mean, shoot, we could even pull in another track uh i think <laughs> sure. the the cuckoo's nest is one where i, I think i'm hearing yawn whistle um, yeah
1: that's a low f whistle that that's one.
0: a low f interesting mm-hmm. let's see yeah i
1: just that that was just one where i
4: think sometimes you know you, you want that bubbly sound yeah, yeah. The back of the bush, there's thunder a mass, and, and the busy days are fretting out a quick blue's nest. It is thorned, it is sprinkled, it is compassed all around. It is thorned, it is sprinkled, and it wasn't easy found. She said, Young man, you're a thunderbink, he said, it was no true but that you're doing.
3: That bears the cuckoo's nest I
0: mean like when you set up I, I, man I was so looking for I was my intention was to be there in May when you guys did your show at the library and oh, yeah. just like to take notes there, and then and then just like <laughs> surprise you when we talked later, because I I don't wow. want to make anybody feel uncomfortable, but like I kind of turn into a stalker with this show, and just kind of like I'm usually hemming and hawing and, and sweaty palms, thinking about asking somebody to talk to me before I ever reach out to them, <laughs> and that was my intention. But then I had a family thing come up, so I could I didn't end up being able to come. But one of the things I wanted to notice, but since I wasn't there, I couldn't notice. So now I get to just ask you directly. Was how, do you have, have you figured out like a geography for how you set up when you're doing a show where you're going to be singing, piping, whistling, fluting, and what else? Tell me what else you do. Um, where like, do you have a position that you place all of these instruments in? Do you line up your whistles in order of key, <laughs> right? From low to high or something? Like what's your strategy there? Or is there
1: none? Yeah. Is, it just, is it just chaos? That's a, that's a great question. And maybe a question only another piper slash whistle player would ever ask. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, But yeah, I've come to something over over the years, and yeah, I mean, I do, I think I've streamlined our shows a little bit. I used to have a, a, I used to have, like, I used to bring Highland pipes, and small pipes, and Mm. banjo, and even at one point I think I had a guitar, and the multiple whistles and nowadays i i don't i try to streamline on as much as possible so mm-hmm. sometimes i'll even plan our set list like i don't want to bring a banjo to the set list so we're not going to play that song
0: oh sure um, sure or if you bring in a but, track that's going to require banjo you're like all right we're not going to do it for just one track we've got to find
1: another banjo track or it's not yeah, worth it exactly it's not yeah. worth it um but i but with all the different keys of whistles and then the flutes. Um, and even when I was doing back and forth between, like, highland pipes and small pipes, mm. obviously, you need a system for that. And so what I what I did, I actually saw, um, I don't he, I wish I, I'm going to not remember his name. I saw another um, flute and whistle player locally here who would play at the Renaissance Fair mm. um, every year. I saw that he had built himself a little um, whistle, like, stand. This is me. No, right, right now like a... I'm
0: wishing I could be like, oh, that was me. <laughs>
1: no. <laughs> it wasn't. Definitely but wasn't. Go wasn't on. It wasn't you. I mean, uh, his name will probably come to me. Um, but he had, he had just like a block of wood with uh, dowel rods kind of sticking oh, out. Oh, yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Really a simple construction, but I thought, that's perfect. So I, I just went home and I built myself one of those stands. So I, I take that to all the shows, and that mm. holds all my whistles and flutes, and I can set those in front of me. Um, and then I, uh, with the pipes... Um, for a long time, I've been using just a like a portable music stand that I can flop over and make a kind of a little table, and then I can put oh, sure. my pipes on the portable music stand. Yeah. Um, in the past, I've have stood and sat. Nowadays, I just I try to I just I just sit the whole time, which were makes you, it easier in terms were of you microphone ever told position.
0: When you were learning pipes, were you ever warned like never play pipes sitting down? You'll get a hernia. No, I was. I was told that all the time. The first time I ever, I saw Fred Morrison sitting down to play Highland Pipes and I was like, oh no! But it was a while after that that I just thought that guy's just crazy. He's just just risking it you know or he already has he's already herniated or something right and and it was a long time before i realized like oh skillful pipers aren't playing reeds that are like two two by fours strapped together with a leather belt you know like yeah the the pressure at which i'd been playing as a teenager was silly (laughs) and so it's like if your if your instrument's set up right sitting down to play really isn't that risky you know
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, and I've never heard that either. And then, of course, in the the Cape Breton piping tradition, it's more common than not for the dance pipers to be seated rather than mm. to stand because you have that footwork that they do, right? So the fiddlers, oh, yeah, of course, yeah. are keeping time with their feet, and the old Cape Breton pipers would do the same thing. It's like a little simplified Cape and step dance,
0: um, which I love. I love the sound of that so much.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Barry Shears does a really nice job with that. He, that was part of that was one of the things he actually kind of taught us in his workshops was how to how to stamp your feet in the cape breton style
0: i keep thinking that like not i'm not the guy to tell barry shears what to do obviously but like i i mean armchair not even armchair dancer here man i'm not a dancer by by any stretch of the imagination (laughs) once again when i was young that was for girls right so i'm only very recently beginning to appreciate that like a lot of the music that i've loved and played for a long time makes a lot more sense when taken in the context of dancing but um So I would never tell Barry Shears what to do, but it does seem to me like it would be an awesome thing to follow up, play it like you sing it with play it like you dance it.
1: Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, we were we were lucky in that workshop because of course um, Dennis's one of Dennis's daughters, Erin McMaster, is a really good Kate Breton step dancer. Oh yeah, and so she was there for maybe I don't know she was there for the whole workshop, but for certain certainly for some some of it, and so she was able to do steps and show us some steps. So I, I don't remember if it was there that I learned it, but I d- I do know like the basic steps, the real step, and the jig step, and the strassbace step mm. for Cape Breton dancing, and it is helpful mm-hmm. to have a sense for that for yeah. sure.
0: When did you um like speaking of singing? Uh, I think did I think I hear you singing in that uh that track? Uh, is it pronounced Sularoon? Sularoon. Su- 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 Sularoon. Mm-hmm. Sularoon. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I do sing in that. Um, just just some harmony. Some low harmonies in
4: that song. Sure, 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 my rock will sell my sure, 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 I will in song. Sugar, 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 them red And it's round the world sugar, 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 I wish we could escape the morning and Show, show, the the the
2: the
0: That. and you've also got a, you've got a track um and i like that song by the way and you guys do it beautifully it's just lovely oh, I, think, I think i think i think i heard it done by the band and uh one oh, time
3: heard them.
0: they're they're good they're good they're real good not not as good as pennyland obviously but oh. they're, they're decent <laughs> yeah they're they're decent mm. i'm but, sure um, uh you've got a track actually later in the album that again a thing i can't pronounce porsche de Buel, i think i hear people say it kind of yeah. like
1: that. push the bell
0: Bell, yeah, okay, and um, Bell. Mm-hmm. and I, I've got a really a really good friend, John Charles, who's who's he studies. Pushedabell was that close. Everybody knows. Yeah, y- y- y'all know yeah. what I'm going for, anyway, right? <laughs> uh, he studies that and piping um, and Gaelic language in general, and and a lot of cool stuff that's just beyond me, but is very much like I know that it's like in the it's the backbone of a lot of them, the stuff that bubbles to the surface that I do participate mm-hmm. in. You know what I mean? So like, I'm like mm-hmm. aware that that is informing the traditions that I participate in. Um, do you, do you learn the languages or are you doing like a phonetic way of learning the words you need to sing or what's that? Yeah, like? That's a,
1: that's a great question. Cause here we are, we're all, we're all Americans and we're all Utahns and, <laughs> right, and yeah. none of us actually speak Scottish Gaelic. Yeah. So, yeah. So actually, um, the way that all started with the band singing in um other languages besides english we we had a a friend who briefly sang with the band and this was this was a long time ago this may have been eight years ago or so who was from ireland and in ireland of course all all children now grow up learning irish learning so in school yeah so she so she knew irish mm. um and so she sang a couple of irish songs with the band and then she actually she got deported um, back to ireland unfortunately i don't feel like i hear
0: much about people getting (laughs) deported back to ireland (laughs) well it wasn't
1: it wasn't like you know i'm gonna come and find you and send you home kind of a situation she was on her way back Mm. to the u.s after a visit home and um, they discovered in customs that she had been um, working as a nanny under the table and so they barred her from reentering the the country
0: That'll teach so, you to try to yeah. pay your way while you're in a different
1: country. <laughs> exactly. So, um, so we, we no longer had this Irish singer, yet we had these these songs that we were we knew how to play. Yeah. And so, Liz, the fiddler in our band, um, is one of her gifts—not um, just in music, just in general—but she has an amazing ability to mimic mm. um, language and accent. In fact, at, at the uh Evanston Festival, you, you know, the um, Kaley at the Roundhouse Festival they do every year, mm-hmm. often there is, you know, they bring out bands from Ireland and Scotland, some of the best bands in the world come to that that uh, great festival. And often before the concert, they'll do like a, an Irish accent contest judged by visiting musicians from Ireland or a Scottish accent contest judged by the visiting musicians from Scotland. Twice now, Liz has won those contests because her accent is so, so legitimate. It's so, um, yeah, it sounds so real. So she has this amazing ear for imitating. And so, um, so our long distance, um, from Ireland, this friend and singer, uh, taught Liz the words to those songs. And oh, so she gotcha. learned them yeah. that way from her. Um and <laughs> our friend Sinead from Ireland said that when when Liz would sing them she would sound like mm. very cute, like a little like a little Irish child singing ah. those songs. <laughs> well, which that could is a a compliment and an insult at the same time. But you
0: know. Now, are you doing a sneaky little drop to tell us kind of covertly off to the side if we want to notice that the Irish friend who came to play with Pennyland for a while and then got deported for working as a nanny was Sinead O'Connor? <laughs> yes, it
1: was Sinead Sch- Don't tell anybody. <laughs> no, it, it was Sinead honestly. It might you know what? It might, have it, not actually, it might have actually
0: been O'Connor, just a different Sinead O'Connor, because that's a that's a very Irish name, right? So I, I've got to imagine yeah. the countryside there is just full of Sinead O'Connors, just like just like dotted as, as a field dotted with sheep. There are girls named Sinead O'Connor walking around Ireland. I assume. Once again, yeah, it's a mythical place right. in my mind. So, <laughs> and, and, and boys yeah. named Patrick, I, I assume.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So so when we started picking up the Scottish songs, the Scottish Gaelic songs, mm. um, all of those came from old field recordings. Oh, yeah. Uh, My so impression a, is that that's world. where all that comes from, for sure. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So that's how we learned them. And then it was just a matter of Liz, but in combination with some research. So Liz would listen mm. and try to imitate. And then I would find the words as well. And anything we were unclear about, I would just go to like Gaelic pronunciation guides and try to like figure mm-hmm. out how how to best approximate this and so i would be <clears throat> i would be rather embarrassed to have a, an actual gallic native <laughs> gallic speaker listen to our versions of these songs then yeah, sure yeah. there are big errors them, but we just we just do our best And I, I th- because th- we love we love the gallic music i mean the gallic songs are just some of the best I think in all of the kind of Celtic traditions, the Scottish Gaelic songs are, in my opinion, some of the most beautiful.
0: Yes. And and I, you know, again, I'm just a dude from Utah, but I think you all do a great job. I think they're beautiful to listen to.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you.
0: (laughs) I'm I'm reminded of a joke that I think it was the Kingston Trio, maybe it was the Limelighters who who made this joke where they were about to launch into a song in uh, French. (laughs) But as like a disclaimer, they're like, and for anybody in the crowd who speaks French, this is Creole French. And for anybody in the crowd who speaks Creole French, this is Northwestern Creole French, as spoken in Idaho.
1: (laughs) And then they (laughs) launched into the song. (laughs) Oh, I'm going to remember that. That's perfect. There you go. Add that to our set. Yeah, add that to your banter between (laughs) tunes.
4: Get Really, a day, book, Gavna. Really, cookin' a morad book, and Gavna. Really, cookin' a henboard and Gavna. Really, cookin' a henboard Gavna. Skinner's team, a honey cousin, Gavna. a More Book a Cook in a in a Book a and the and Melan, Melan, the the Melan, Melan, the
0: get deep with me for a minute here do you think that liz's ability to mimic like spoken accents do you think or or even just like whole words you know like um do you think that uh that in any way translates to is affected by or is related to um an ability to approximate musical idiom as well
1: yeah definitely in Mm. fact um Liz, Liz didn't really come to the band with a whole lot of experience within, the, within that idiom, within the Scottish or even Irish fiddling mm. traditions. She had some ex- exposure and experience, but a lot of what she has kind of developed over the years has just come through listening and imitating other fiddlers. Mm. And so, yeah, definitely, definitely. Mm.
0: I I've neglected so far to ask you more specifically about the band. I should I should clarify that in the show notes I'll have the name of the band spelled out and a link to the band camp page and to the the website and stuff like that. But um Pennyland is the name of the band. I, I really this this album, this Pain album. Mm-hmm. I keep yeah. wanting to say Panini, but that's cuz I love I Panini. know. <laughs> <laughs> That's the
1: problem with Gallic words. Right? Yeah, yeah, There's all these extra letters or apparently extra letters. Right, yeah. Yeah. It's 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 it
0: it is like it does feel very much like just like um uh like uh a, a, a right? Like Yeah. Do, exactly. Really? Eleven, twelve, fourteen letters? How many how much does it take? But uh yep. um the uh the cover art as well. I love this cover art. Did you did a member of the band come up with it, or did you hire an artist that you knew or where did the cover art come from? It's like this like cut block style Loch Ness monster, super cool. Yeah
1: yeah yeah so that that's a lionel cut that liz actually did she Go came up with the idea dang. yeah yeah that we could have the great salt lake with the spiral jetty and um the the tree of life you know which is nearby oh my gosh, and dude. then the Loch Ness monster i didn't even it. realize <laughs> i just yeah.
0: thought i mean it's a cool image anyway right but i did not even of course that's the spiral jetty and the tree of life that's so cool <laughs> now it's just like gone up another another 20 oh. points in coolness that's way cool
1: yeah thanks we we like that image
0: you ever hear the the fun old stories about how like there's there's a subterranean tunnel that connects lake loch ness to to the salt lake to the great salt lake oh
1: Uh, i haven't heard that oh yeah yeah there's there's people with those kinds of stories wow (laughs) yeah that gives even more justification to the image I like that.
0: absolutely absolutely yeah so then what what like if you were to talk let's say you're i mean you are talking to to pipers here mostly um piping and pipers and piping adjacent people, you know, we got, Yeah, I'd like to think I appeal to drummers sometimes too. Um, (laughs) but, uh, if, if you were talking to a, you know, someone coming from Highland piping, who's like, well, shoot, I, I love the idea of playing with other instruments, you know, sounds really fun. Seems really cool. Whether they're going to pursue this in a professional way to get gigs or just, you know, just to join in on a session. Um, what do we need? You know, like what things mm. should we learn? What instruments do we, like, do I need to go buy a Blair digital chanter? Do I need to get border pipes? Should I get whistles mm. and flutes? And yeah. maybe that's like the equipment side of things. But then there's also the question of like, what things do I need to learn musically? And also like, like almost, I want to say culturally almost, right? Cause like, yeah. like you mentioned, playing with a pipe band is a very different thing than sitting in a living room and playing with a, a fiddler and, a, you know, and a
1: and a, a guitarist and stuff like that.
0: What what what, what yeah. comes to mind as I ask you that question, those questions?
1: Yeah, those are great questions. So um in terms of, well, I guess the equipment and the other part of the question are, are related. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, what comes to my mind is, is identifying, like, what a group that you want to play with. So mm-hmm. wh- whether that's just, like, maybe one or two other individuals or do you want, like, you know, I know um for me, the, the group that I first started going out and playing this kind of music with was Larry's... um Session group that would meet pretty yeah. regularly at the time. I don't think it does anymore, unfortunately. He's, he's but, been talking about starting it up again, but yeah, it's been a yeah. Great. So that was that was a great thing for me, and I had just identified that's that's going to be my outlet for now. Mm. And so that then gave me like, okay, so it's going to be Cape Breton and Scottish music, mm. and it's going to be a lot of small pipes. So I kind of knew then what things would be appropriate for that setting. So mm. like, I I got a set of small pipes. Um, I've been through a number set of sets, but yeah. I got small pipes and. I already played the whistle, and so I started learning those tunes that I knew that were part of that session on the whistle, so that was really, really helpful. It can be so daunting because there's so the repertoires are so huge, and yeah, can, yeah. especially when you start combining like Scottish Cape red and Irish all together. that's just so many tunes to learn, dude, do you, so I think I didn't... so go ahead yeah
0: you you seriously i I have a problem with interrupting people anyway, but honestly, you are really impressing me with your ability to hang on to a thread while I interrupt you. And I think <laughs> to some degree, I'm now just trusting in that and just letting the letting my guard down completely you're, and interrupting you're freely. Fine, yeah. <laughs> but do you, do you know Mark, Um, and now his last name is blank, And I want to say Stevenson, who's up in northern Utah, he's in Illum Piper, and he's he's got yeah, some sessions no going work. too. Dude, I, I reached, I reached out to him and just was like, I think I'd like to join in some sessions sometimes. And he's like, and so he sent me links to some of the tune books they use. And even just from those tune books, I, I don't yeah. know how many hundreds of tunes it is. Right.
1: But it's yep, hundreds, exactly. you know? <laughs> yep, yep. And, and those guys like Mark has been doing it so long. Like that's, that's not him. He right. has hundreds of tunes at his fingertips, but oh, yeah. for someone trying to get into it, that's, that's really hard. So so you can, that's another example of like, you could identify that community say, okay, I want to join Mark's sessions. And then you know what instruments to look at. You don't want to do small pipes because they're not going to fit in with maybe, I mean, hardly any of the tunes, maybe a couple. Mm. You can do whistle or pick up the banjo or, you know, other things. Um, and then, and then it's a matter of with, with that, with the Irish groups, I think going and actually hearing what tunes are being played. Mm-hmm. And that requires you to show up, you know, a few times or a number of times where you're not playing much of anything mm-hmm. and you're really just listening to what tunes are played and what tunes seem to be played consistently. Because it feels like from my experience in sessions and Irish sessions is that there's sort of like um, the body of tunes that get played pretty consistently. And then there's like the peripheral, peripheral tunes around that just kind of mm-hmm. find their way in, but don't really get the traction.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so if you can kind of start to identify what are the, the main body of tunes that kind of keep coming up, then you know what to focus your time on. And, okay. and it was most Irish sessions like Mark's and the other one that happened in Salt Lake. They always go around the circle and give people a chance to start something of their own. So, you know, you prepare um, a set of a few tunes and you know that when it's your turn, you'll get a chance mm. to play something. You don't have to just sit and listen the whole time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would let the, the group that you plan to play with sort of decide for you what instrument you bring to it and what tunes you learn. Well, you Cause then you're going to have I'm... the most success. Sorry, go ahead.
0: No, no. That's, yeah. Like I say, I'm just interrupting like crazy here, but yeah, you're uh, good. I, correct me if I'm, if I'm taking your advice too far, but it sounds to me like you maybe also like, if it's not a session situation you want to do, it's so like, first it's figuring out what you want to do. Maybe if it's something else, find a band that does that something else that you want to be yeah. like them. And then just, copy them as far as like what instruments do you get kind of thing right
1: yeah yeah i think so i mean and and honestly um in some ways pennyland was born out of truly my my frustrations with um the kind of session Mm -hmm. scene because Mm -hmm. it's a lot of fun and you learn a lot of tunes but the the trouble is is that um i i i'm a I, i like I prefer it when the music is very well played and there's sort of um, kind of some craft to it. And it's, you know, people are playing all together um, at the same tempo and are playing the same basic melody lines. And you're not having a lot of veering away from yeah. the tune where it gets a little, it can be, I guess what I'm saying is it can be a little bit chaotic and not all the music sounds. Um, well, it can sound, it can, it can run the, run the gamut from sounding really pretty great to sounding kind of pretty terrible
0: you know what they say though at, at an irish session if it's not sounding really pretty great you're just not you're you're not enough pints in yet
1: <laughs> or or you're the one that's ruining it oh
0: you're too far <laughs> yeah you're too many
1: pints in or something right <laughs> yeah so so anyway I, the band was more like okay let's focus on um arrangement and really playing tunes well together and yeah. not just everyone on melody. How can we, how can we vary things and spice it up a bit and bring harmony and, you know, that kind of thing, which is, which is honestly in the, at the end of the day is, is more interesting to me than the um session scene. But, you know this yeah. is
0: me as an as a different person like taking this tiny little snapshot of your life that's you know not at all a fair assessment or anything like that but it starts to feel to me like i can almost draw this like triangle shape where it's like you 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 get what's good out of being in a pipe band and get you know and recognize some of the things that just aren't jiving with you then you get what's good out of playing in a session and recognize some things that aren't quite jiving with you and you kind of create your own thing that's right in the middle where there's there's some rehearsal and some sort of like arrangement and uh, and preparation of specific tunes but also there's a lot of variety still um kind of a thing in the middle.
1: Yeah, that's very insightful. I hadn't made I haven't I hadn't drawn that triangle for myself, but I think you're absolutely well, right. Well,
0: I have a little statue of the laughing buddha on my desk, so <laughs> I'm I'm kind of wise, you know. <laughs> yeah. Soak it in there, you know. As I work on my spreadsheets, I get more and more enlightened when I'm sitting near it. So. <laughs> so so then um what like what what else do you like as a guy who p- plays a pipe band plays with with you know like a, a trad band and stuff like that like what are what do you listen to do you, is it is it trad stuff and pipe stuff all the time or are you disconnecting from that and listening to a lot of like i don't know you know funk music or something totally different
1: <laughs> yeah that's a great question um the older i get the uh pickier i become about what i listen to i don't mm-hmm. know if that's normal or not um Just not, not as much stuff. I don't know. Tickles me as it it once did. Yeah. Um, but I I would say I listen to a lot of uh, of folk music and some of that is like Irish trad. Mm -hmm. Um, I've gotten more interested in, so my introduction into the world of like Irish traditional music was, was bands. I really loved the band. So I listened to a ton of Lunasa, who I still really respect and like. Yeah. Um, but, but as I've, you know, grown up a little more, and I've listened to more and more of the music, and I play more of the music. I find myself drawn more and more to just solo playing, It's so like pure drop solo playing. That pure so drop I have stuff. Like, gotcha. Yeah. So, so I listen to a fair amount of that, yeah. um, and then I still have the bands I really love right now. Like, I love. I don't know if you've listen to skipper's alley at all from Ironman. i haven't
0: no I'll, oh my I'll gosh
1: yeah they, they actually were one of the bands that were brought out to the evanston festival oh. a number of years back that we actually performed at the festival with that same year and were um, you already they, a fan they, of theirs so that was like a really big i had for not you. ever been no i had never been exposed to the music great way for it to, to be their, introduced huh yeah so i thought we went to their evening concert and was just Totally blown away. Maybe the best concert I've ever. Did you turn to, to your band and be like, "We're giving our
0: slot to these guys. I want to hear the set again."
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, my thought was like, "How can we become these guys?" Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is this is unreal. Um, and then another great Irish band I'm really enjoying. That apparently uh, the members of Skippers Alley and the members of this band were all in school together. Um, but the bonnie Men are a really fabulous Irish trad band, and they their most recent album is. It's just brilliant. Mm. So I have the, and then in, in the Scottish tradition, I really love Van Dyke. It's a, oh, I have Yeah. Yeah. They're great. They also were brought out to the the Evanston Festival. Um, so I got to see them live there too, yeah. but they're one of my favorites. And yeah. then I just, you know, I love the classics. I love the Chieftains. You can always go back to the Chieftains. There's just yeah. a wealth of stuff there. So
0: yeah. My, my, my good friend, uh, Andrew O'Sullivan, who's, interestingly too he also he also does some some gaelic language uh uh study and stuff like that and is has turned me on to some insights in in terms of like how how the spoken language informs some of the music that we then play on pipes in some ways but mm. um he's he's the guy who most often i'm seeing post a tune and he says you know identify this tune and i totally can't and then he tells me what it is like oh yeah of <laughs> yeah. course he introduced me to dive not too long ago and i'm sure glad he did it's been so cool to to catch up on their albums because they just didn't they just put an album out like this year, like even like a month or two ago or was it last year? If they did,
1: I missed it. The last one I know of is the, what is it called? Out of, it's a yellow cover Mm -hmm, with, mm -hmm. um, like a, a sailor on the front with his arms folded. Is that yeah. the one you're talking about?
0: I think that is one thing. And so this might be yet another situation where of course the world revolves around me. And so new to me <laughs> means new to everyone. Right. <laughs> you know? Like well, I, that just, one, that I one I just was, found this yeah. guy, Seamus Ennis. Have you, have
1: you heard his stuff? He's very underground. Right? <laughs> he's, he's awesome. I love Seamus Ennis. <laughs> yeah. One, I think that album came out maybe two years ago. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe right before the pandemic. I, I got an early copy of it from their, their guitarist, um, Martin Ross, I think is his name. He and his wife, um, were doing a tour in the U.S. and they came to perform a little concert in Provo that I got to go to. Oh, And dude. he secretly, he secretly sold me one of their new albums under the table. Like, here, you can have it. Don't tell me. That is too one. cool. So, yeah, he's great. He's like one of the best performers I've ever seen. He's like part, part musician and part comedian. His yeah. like talk between sets is so funny and so yeah. good. But anyhow that, yeah nice. and i guess besides besides the the trad stuff so i do listen to a lot of that but the other thing i've been really listening to a lot lately is um is american um traditional music so like old time music yeah, that's yeah. been kind of my new passion for the last few years i I picked up the five string banjo and been trying to learn fiddle tunes from from our tradition so
0: have you have you been doing any of that claw hammer style playing on your banjo?
1: That's what I do. Yeah. So the well, I play I, with the Penland, I play um, Irish banjo. So yeah, banjo. But but claw hammer is what I'm doing on the five string now. Yeah. Look,
0: Robert, if if you and I ever find ourselves with absolutely nothing else to do, I w- please teach me how to play claw hammer. I've had <coughs> I've had a banjo for so many years and i keep, i swear, i think i've actually put time into it like i think it's not just an idle dream like i've tried i just cannot get it to work and i that's yeah. why i want to play banjo so like i'm doing all these other things with it that just like aren't what i wanted you know and i can't do the thing yeah. i wanted
1: yeah that's it can be tricky i i my first five string banjo i bought when i was maybe 19 a long time mm. ago and i i tried to teach myself it for a while and just like it was i just didn't come but then just, uh, in, in, during the pandemic, actually during lockdown, I just decided like, okay, I'm going to just hunker down and I'm going to figure this out. And mm. so I actually bought a better banjo than the one I had, and spent that whole time in the, I guess for the last time, it's been three years really focusing on that. And it's, yeah, it's, it's snuck up on me as maybe my favorite instrument to play. Surprisingly. Ooh, really? Yeah. It's just, I don't know. It's, it's. There's something really um relaxing about it like mm. it has it has pieces of like the, what i what I love about playing dance music, of course you know on, on the on the whistle and on the flute and on the bagpipes it has that right because you've got you're playing you can play fiddle tunes, and that's really that's what I primarily do on on um Climber banjo banjos play the fiddle tunes, but at the same time you've got these elements of guitar, so my guitar background for example you've got harmony that you can provide so it's like you're you're not only playing the melody you're providing your own harmony at the same Mm, time mm. and then like finding ways the five string banjo and claw hammer style in particular it's like you you take a fiddle tune and then if you're not just learning it from someone else's arrangement right you're not just picking up someone else's tab and copying them if you're coming up with your own arrangement it's like this little puzzle you have to figure out Mm. like how can i make this fiddle tune fit into the rhythm of the claw hammer stroke How can I make sure that I get all of the important, you know, most significant melody notes? Oh, yeah. And what ones can I leave out? Because you have to leave a lot of them out in order to play up to speed, really. Unless you're, unless you're one of these guys that plays a fiddle style five string banjo. And and there are those guys out there and they're playing really just fiddle melodies. But that's not what interests me. I'm, I'm more interested in like how the five string banjo is a cross section between a melody instrument and a rhythmic instrument. So yeah, yeah something mm. about that. It's like it's like you're your own band. You're a one man band. Yeah, you know, that I don't find on other instruments.
0: That's so, so. cool. It's, I love it. I love it. I love it when there's something that like, and I'm cautious about this because I recognize that like sometimes you hear something put really well, and subconsciously you wish you had been that eloquent, and so then you go, "Oh, I always <laughs> thought that." I just you're finally saying what I already thought, you know. But I think genuinely, what I'm, what is happening in my head right now is this thing where like. You like something, but you're not quite sure why. But then, when you hear somebody articulate it, you start going, "Yes, that's exactly. What, yeah, that's why it's special." And that's that was just happening as you talked about that. And that, that, that was cool.
1: Cool. That's a cool experience to have. There's,
0: there's also like I don't know if this is like a developing tick in my in me as I get older or what, but I I feel like I have to say um, that before Bobby had a bad banjo, but Bobby bought a better banjo. Ah, <laughs> I needed that to come out.
1: The, oh yeah
0: there's <laughs> b is my favorite <laughs> my favorite consonant to to tr- to uh to to alliterate with <laughs> and so that just had yeah. to come um, now now robert i i mean i've taken a lot of your time and here's the other thing i want to make sure the entire world of listenership uh which i recognizing that we're a very small group but uh a happy and love each other kind of group here and and i'm appreciative of the of the the community um but uh the uh, I want everybody to know right, that I stood you up not long ago. I, I, <laughs> Why are you telling everyone that? In order, shush, in order, shush, shush. I just, I want people to know how, how darn generous you are. Uh, you've been so chill and cool about it. I don't trust my brain for a lot of things and it's less trustworthy all the time other than like forcing me to say a literative verse apparently. But the, um, the, the calendaring thing has just become more and more of a thing that I just outsource completely to my computer and I told you that we were good and I told you I'd send you a calendar invite and then I did didn't even set it up, and then you emailed me one day, and I was like, Who's this guy? Oh my gosh! and totally had missed it. And you were totally cool to read, and like, like Here, wait, you, you've just been so cool. I appreciate it. You're very, uh, even keeled, and I, I think that's adm- admirable. Um. <coughs> well.
1: Well, thank yeah. you, and I appreciate your
0: transparency about it all. Well, yeah, <laughs> no need for that. Once I've screwed up enough times, there's nothing left to. There's no. There's no reputation left to salvage, honestly. So that's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was thinking, if it, if it works for you, Robert, that a cool outro. Actually, you did that um, like consolation concert um, that's on YouTube, and I thought that that uh, here's another word I can't pronounce. Bain eadara, bane eadara.
1: Oh, Benekdra.
0: Yeah, that one. Yeah, I, I thought it was so pretty. And I thought that would be a lovely closing tune. Um, yeah. So if that works for you, we'll do that one. But before we do that, I want to try this thing that we've, we've never done before. So if it crashes and burns, it's my fault. But knowing that you've studied folklore and that you're into music and uh, being aware that the Beatles were trying to put together a, uh, a, ver- a film version of The Lord of the Rings that they would star in.
1: Right, I didn't know that. Oh, did you not know about that? Oh, that was a thing. No. yeah, oh, yeah, it never word.
0: happened. Unfortunately, the Tolkien estate wasn't into it, but they wanted to yeah. do it. I wish they would have. Wow. Okay. Well, with that now in mind, starting with Jethro Toll, okay, Ian Anderson, right? Mm-hmm. He was our he was our flautist and stuff like that. Okay, we're we're gonna cast a new there a new Lord of the Rings movie. Okay. Wow. So, and we're gonna fantasy cast it from folk musicians okay so we get to use our folk musician heroes you know um like i don't know maybe seamus ennis will be like one of the wizards but will he be sauron or will he be gandalf or saruman or gandalf Mm -hmm. i'm not i'm not sure which one um okay so but here's where i want to start definitely ian anderson from jethro tulp young ian anderson with all his hair and everything right um yeah he's tom bombadil that's that's my (laughs) submission he's got to be tom Bombadil.
1: wow that's 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 perfect i wouldn't have thought of that isn't that a perfect fit Maybe Gandalf, but no, Tom Bombadil, yeah. Even better, That's right? He's got to be Tom Bombadil. Yeah.
0: Okay, so now your turn. Any mm, any trad any trad musician that comes to mind, what Lord of the Rings character do you
1: want to cast them as? Oh, my word. This is a hard question. Mm. You probably can um, edit out all of my think time.
0: I can. I can. <laughs> I will, we'll see if I... <laughs> Anybody who's stuck around this long is probably going to be chill with some think time. No problem. And keep you, and like my mind's racing right now too, trying to think of anybody else. Like it was an immediate click in my brain. It's like, dude, that guy. Yeah.
1: That's that's really good. Okay, I think I would submit um Patty Maloney. Uh-huh. Right. So the Chieftain's frontman. And he has to be a hobbit of some kind.
3: Yeah. Um, that, probably
1: yeah. probably Bilbo. I'd say Patty Maloney is Bilbo.
0: That's beautiful. So what about um who is, uh, see now I said, you know, I'm getting nervous from, from this myself. I shouldn't have set this up, but the, 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 the really cool rough and tumble looking front man of the Dubliners, what was his name with the big orange fro? Oh,
1: oh, oh, um, golly, I can't think of his name. I don't know who you're talking about. Right? Uh, yeah. This is, <laughs> have, you this is ridiculous. Google it really quick.
0: Yeah. That's okay. So that guy though, and it'll, it'll come to us either via the internet or our brains will do the work to, to get it to us. Um, that guy, Luke, Luke Kelly, Luke Kelly, uh, yep. um, Luke Kelly, what if he is Aragorn or Strider, right? But like he's Strider Aragorn, right? So like, he's like the rough and tumble version of Aragorn that they meet in the tavern. But like through Ooh. the course of the story, he becomes like more and more ennobled. And by the end, he's like this noble yeah. king version of of Luke yeah. Kelly um, taken That's over good. in Gondor. Yeah, I like that. If if you've got one more, give me one more. If you don't, I won't put you under pressure to do it. Okay, I think
1: I, I think. Let's see. So I want to I want to place Shane McGowan somewhere in it. You know, the front man from the Pogues. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Look, but it, but it's, it's probably it's probably so
0: mean and not nice, but, oh, but I couldn't help I think thinking of his teeth. Going. You know, later on in life, well, especially, know. and uh, oh, that's that's pretty darn gollumy.
1: Or yeah, 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 yeah. I think you got it. I think it has to be some. He's amazing, but I think that's a fit.
0: And, I mean, and and maybe in like a very sympathetic way too. You know, it, there are yeah. elements of sadness yeah. in both stories and tragedy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, so that that said, let's go into that tune. Do you do you have anything you wanted to tell me about that tune before we listen to it, and we'll just kind of fade off into it?
1: Sure. Yeah. Um. So that that tune is pretty special to the band just because we learned it um, directly from Julie Fowlis, the mm. great uh, Scottish Gaelic singer. So she, um, she came out to do a concert at, um, oh gosh, at the university of Utah for the pandemic. I'm trying to remember maybe a year or two before the pandemic. Mm. Um, but they just randomly, I think they were just had time for her to fill and didn't know what to do with her. And so randomly the university reached out to Pennyland and said, Hey, do you guys want to come and do, a workshop with, uh, Julie Fallis. I'm oh, thinking, wow. Yes, please. <laughs> and so, um, so, the, well, not the whole band, but most of the band was able to make it. We went and did a private workshop with Julie Fallis. And she taught us a number of, um, Gaelic songs. And sadly, that's the only one that we've really kept with the band. The other ones kind of faded away. But, but yeah, we love that song. And it is an example of, uh, Porsche de Bell, but it's a, it's a modern composition. So most Porsche de Bells are traditional. Um you know, really old traditional tunes with words that have been passed down, who knows where they came from. Mm. But this was an attempt by, and I don't remember the man's name now, but um, a contemporary Scottish musician to take um, a a really popular uh, tune in the tradition and turn it into a course de Bell. So he wrote all of those Gallic words mm. and put it to the music. So that's kind of where it comes from.
2: Hi, Shin Suis, Suis Kabane, Kana, Viner Sanushkriya. Hai schön so ist geme, extra so Ectra, gonna find Ectra, Sandus Creole Hygien so gonna gonna